0: I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but uh, I really want to just, I want to be kind of transparent and open with what this season of our life has looked like. Um, For those of you that don't know, uh, we, it has been a, it's been up and down. Uh, I felt like we've been prayed over more times on this stage. (laughs) Uh, We've had that happen and, and it's just been closed door after closed door. And I think uh, it's It's amazing because I think we have this idea that God will never give us more than we can handle. And I think we take that scripture, and it's talking about temptation. It's not actually talking about the difficulties that we're going to face in life. And so, uh, listen, here's what you need to know and you need to understand is that God's going to be with you. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So be ready for closed doors. Be ready for disappointment. Be ready for all the things that's going to happen in life. Just know that you're not by yourself. And so that's the one thing that has kept us through this season of our lives of disappointment and closed doors is that God has been there every step of the way, and he's still saying, I still believe in you. I've still called you. I've still anointed you. I still have you in my hands. And so uh, that, that's where we're at right now. But if you have your Bibles, I want you guys to go with me to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. And uh, really quickly, the, the sermon title is Grasshoppers Amongst Giants. And this is literally how I have felt in this season of God calling us to launch our church. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the circumstance and what you're facing is uh, bigger than you are and there is absolutely no way you're going to overcome this, you understand? And so uh, I think God has prepared us for this well. Uh, Most of you who don't know, my wife and I, uh, we still do not have children. We face that disappointment, but God has settled it in our heart and in our spirit that he's still with us, he's still called us. And so, uh, listen, it has just been one of those journeys uh, since the day we've been married where we have had to trust God Every step of the way, and there's been many times where we have felt uh, financially like grasshoppers amongst giants. You ever felt like that financially? You ever looked at your bills and and your paycheck and say, God, (laughs) I need you? Uh, Have you ever felt like that relationally? Uh, We've faced many things in our family and strife and fight, all these things going on. And we've felt like grasshoppers amongst giants because there's things that have happened in my family and Tiff's family that have been there for years and years. And we're just, God, we've got to learn how to forgive. We've got to learn how to move on. We've got to learn how to just move past all of these things. And so we, uh, in this season of our lives, uh, not that we are afraid, though. Even though we may feel like grasshoppers amongst giants, we have no fear, and that's what I want to preach about this morning. So if you're in Joshua chapter 14, I'm going to start in verse 6. And I'm going to start at the end of the story, and then I'm going to move backwards. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm starting at the end. I'm giving you a picture of the end because I think it's important that you understand and you know that you already have the victory. Do you understand that Jesus has already given you victory? That at the cross of Calvary, he already won for you. So I think you need to have that mentality that whatever God's calling you to, wherever God's moving you, he has already been before you and prepared the way. Do you understand? That whatever God is calling you into, he has already gone there, prepared everything that you need. And that's what we're believing. We believe that God has already moved where God is calling us to plant salvation home. He's already there right now, and he's already tilling the grounds and the soil of people's hearts, and he's going to do something amazing because he's there right now. So before we even get there, God's already there. Amen? And I want you guys to know that whatever God calls you into, he's already preparing the way. Amen? So verse 6 says, a delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb. And I'm not even going to act like I know how to read these names, okay? Uh, You guys ever had a preacher and, and he acted like he knew how to say those names? He was lying. He didn't know how to say these names. You ever read those names in the Bible? You just looked at him and said, I'm, I'm not even going to try. So guess what? I'm just going to say Caleb, okay, uh, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barna. I, that's, his best, that's the best I got for you guys, okay? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barna to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brother who went with me, frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. You need to underline, highlight, write that. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that our descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he had promised for these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today, I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as I could then. Can anybody testify that? I'm getting older. Okay. And so I feel some kind of way sometimes when I wake up in the morning. Okay. Uh, I went to the gym the other day for the first time in a couple of weeks and I felt that like in my soul. You ever felt that in your soul? Like you felt your age in your soul? Here we have this man and Caleb says, I'm 85 years old, but I, I can still fight and I'm still ready to go. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that these, as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in the great walled towns. But the Lord, but if the Lord is with me, can somebody say, but the Lord, if the Lord is with me, can you say that? But if the Lord is with me, but if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for your promise to be with us in every season, in every battle, in every fight, God, that we can wholeheartedly follow you. We can wholeheartedly trust in you. We can wholeheartedly depend that, God, you have gone and prepared a way for us. And I just ask right now, God, that whatever you are birthing inside each and every person in this room, God, you have a plan, you have a call, you have a purpose, God. That, God, this morning they would leave here and know, but if the Lord is with me, we will overcome, we will conquer, we will go where God is calling us to go. And we will have the victory in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. A little bit of the backstory of where we're at right here in this story where Caleb is talking to joshua what you guys need to know is if you go all the way back to numbers chapter 13. uh i asked a group of young people that i was preaching to not too long ago. Like i said who is moses can anybody answer the question who is moses who's moses who's moses <laughs> he said don't don't walk over here to the bible school no i'm just kidding well who's moses you guys talk to me really quick you guys know huh the deliverer, the deliverer. moses is the deliverer can you guys give me a, well, who's moses you guys are scaring me right now, I'm just <laughs> The deliverer, the deliverer, okay, it's okay. We're gonna talk about it. The best answer that I got from these young people, he's the guy with the stick, right? That's right. <laughs> That was the best answer these young people could give me was Moses is the guy with the stick, right? I said, you're right, he is the guy with the stick, okay? So let me give you a little bit of the back story because you kind of need to know that before we dig into Caleb and Joshua's story. Uh, that the Israelites, okay, were captive In Egypt okay do you guys know who Joseph is anybody who know who Joseph is right so Joseph becomes the ruler in Egypt he moves all his family in and not too long uh, after that okay the Pharaoh dies and the Israelites now become enslaved to the Egyptians okay so think about this Egypt has slaves and they are the Israelites so the Israelites are now enslaved in Egypt okay so Pharaoh actually wants all of the male children murdered Okay, do you guys remember this now? Anybody ever watch Prince of Egypt? You guys ever watch that movie? I still watch that movie. I, like, I love that movie, right? And so Pharaoh wants all the male children to be murdered because he understands and he knows that the Israelites are actually outgrowing the Egyptians. And this is so powerful is that the Israelites were slaves and they actually outnumbered the Egyptians, They were slaves, but they actually outnumbered the nation that was conquering them, the nation that was ruling them. And I think if we understood and knew, listen, have you ever been enslaved to your sin? You ever been enslaved to sin? If you knew that Jesus Christ had already bought the victory for you and that you outnumbered, you are more powerful than your sin, you just gotta fight. You just gotta fight. And so Pharaoh wants all the first uh, all the males murdered because they're actually outnumbering the Egyptians. And so Moses's mom puts him in the basket. Right. And he actually gets raised in Pharaoh's household. He knows who he is. He knows he's an Israelite. And as he gets older, it starts to bother him that his nation, that his people are slaves. Got it. All right. So Moses gets a little bit frustrated one day and he actually murders an Egyptian because of the way his people have been treated. He murders an Egyptian. Okay. he goes and he flees from his past. Anybody ever run away from your past before? Do you understand that your past will always find you? Do you know that it may take 40 years, but your past will always hunt you down and it will always find you. Okay, so listen, that's the beautiful thing about having a savior like Jesus is he already knows your past. He knows your present. He already knows your future. And he has redeemed it, saved it. And he still loves you. Amen. And so Moses runs from his past. He runs from the the murder that he commits in Egypt. Okay, And 40 years later, God finds him and says, I need you to go back and I need you to be the deliverer. And I need you to rescue the people from Egypt. And Moses does it right. The plagues come. The Red Sea splits. I'm giving you a lot of Bible in a really quick amount of time, okay? Okay, So that you guys know uh, who Moses is for sure. So the Red Sea splits, and God has promised them their own land. God has promised them their own uh, community, their own place, that he said, I'm going to give you the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So they're going, and they are searching for this place, right? And so... What happens is that these Israelites, like many humans do, is they feel like God has taken them to the desert and he has abandoned them. Whereas God, it was better when we were slaves. They start murmuring. They start getting upset. And God says, okay, it's now time to go get the promised land. Okay? So if you will now go with me. Everybody got the backstory To Numbers chapter 13. Go with me to Numbers chapter 13. Got it? Okay, Numbers chapter 13, verse 1 says, The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan. The land I am what? I need y'all to read this. Y'all ready? The land I am what? What has God just said? I am giving you this land. I am giving you this land. Okay, everybody got that? Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men. I am not going to try to read those names, okay? God sends out the 12, or Moses sends out the 12, okay? Got it? Everybody there? Okay. Now, I want you to go to verse 16. It says, these are the names, all that. Verse 17, Moses gave them, the men, these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land looks like. And find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they have. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do the best, uh, do the best to bring back samples of the crops you see. Here's where we see the first mistake that Moses makes. God says, I am giving you this land. Send out these 12 men to go and and explore where that land is. And what does Moses automatically do when he sends out the 12? He says, I need you to find out how many dudes we're about to go up against. Are they big? Are they small? Are they strong? Are they weak? I need you to find out what we are up against. Anybody ever been in a fight before? I am not about to promote violence. I am not, okay? But before you get into a fight with somebody, you have to square up. Do you understand what that means? Okay. So stand up for me, Chris. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If we're squared up, guess what I am doing in my head? I am calculating a lot of things in my mind because we're about to fight. Okay. I am calculating that he is a lot more uh, undersized than me. Okay. So I have that one on my side. Okay. I got that. He's right. I am older than him. So I have age against me so he gets a point for that but uh, before you fight somebody naturally what are you going to do you are going to figure out a strategy right like I need to know is he big is he small Uh, what am I about to do right how am I about to attack in this time and that's exactly what Moses was doing Moses was doing what any guy would have done he is okay we are not going to fight up here because I don't want to embarrass you. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Go ahead. But Moses did what any guy would do. He squares up his opponent. He says, I need to know, are there a lot of them? Are there a few of them? Are they strong? Are they weak? I need to know, okay? Because Moses knows we're about to go fight these dudes. Got it? Moses had forgotten that God said, I am going to give you the land that I've promised you, and I think so often when God has called us, when God has purposed us, when God has showed us exactly what to do, what do we begin to do? We begin to calculate all the things that could go wrong. You ever done that? human nature we begin to calculate we begin to look at the opponent we begin to look at what we're facing what we're going up against and we feel like grasshoppers amongst giants because we're not standing on the promise God said he's giving me this Moses should have said hey you guys go and tell those fools they're about to get whooped because God is giving us this land God is giving us this promise this is ours No, Moses says, I need you to go find out how many they got, how big they are, all that stuff, okay? You guys with me right now? You guys still good? All right, I'm trying to get through this as quick as I can, okay? So, here we go. Uh, If you are still there, I need you to go to verse 25. Numbers 13, 25. You guys ready? After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community... What they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was the report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that is produced, but the, li- the people living there are what? The people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw what? giants. Now, I don't know if this was literal or if this was the fear that they had inside of them because they go and they say, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So that right there probably says, yeah, there were some giants there. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Here's where my man steps up. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Now, as I see this moment, I would have thought Moses was going to be the guy. Moses is their leader. They've been following Moses. They trust Moses. As they're giving this report, right, as they're telling him, uh, there's a lot of them. They have walls, they're big. I don't think we can win this fight. I would have thought at that moment, their leader, Moses, would have said, God already promised that it was ours. I would have thought that Moses would have been the one to step up and say, this is what God told me. He said, this is ours, we're gonna go, we're gonna conquer, this is the promised land that God has for us. But Moses doesn't. It's Caleb. Who steps up. Do you understand that the name Caleb originally meant a dog? A dog. I don't mean to offend anybody who has a child named Caleb in the back, Uh, (laughs) but Caleb means a dog. Do you understand that it is always God's plan to use the weak things to use the small things, to use the unlikely one, to use the one who doesn't look like he's supposed to be there. Do you understand that Caleb, this dog, not Moses, their leader, not Moses, their commander, steps up and says, let's go and fight. Can I tell you how many times I've felt like a dog? I'm serious. I've been in ministry a long time, and there have been many moments, many fights in my life that I have felt like a dog. I have felt unworthy. I have felt unwelcomed. I felt undeserving. I felt small. I felt like I didn't deserve it. And guess what? I didn't. Not one bit. To this day, I still fight with God calling us to start this church, because I said, God, there's no way somebody like me can go start a church. Do you know what I've done Do you know what I've done? You know how badly I've screwed up? But guess what? And and that's the battle we face, right? That's the things we start to do. We start to do what Moses did and we start to, God, there's no way we can do this. Do you know know that I'm a dog? I'm just being open, I'm just being transparent. I mean, there have been moments in my life where I have prayed and I said, God, I feel like I'm a dog. I've not used those words, but I have felt undeserving, unworthy, unaccepted, and unloved. I've fought those giants within myself. And there are some of you in this room that are still fighting those giants, that you feel unloved, you feel unworthy, you feel unaccepted. I don't know what you feel like right now, but I want you to know that God loves him some dogs. <laughs> Do you understand that? God loves him some dogs because it's the dog that's willing to go fight. It's the, it's the dog that's willing to go where God has called them to do. And when they get the victory, you know what the dog's going to do? The dog's going to say, Don't look at me because I didn't have any part of what is happening. It is all God. Do you understand that? Do you know what the dog's going to do? Because listen, a leader like Moses could have stepped up and said, Look where I have brought you guys. Oh, the promised land. I told y'all it was coming. It's beautiful, right? Do you like some honey? Would you like some milk? It's flowing. (laughs) Moses could have done that. Moses was their leader. Moses could have taken them, and that victory could have got to Moses' head, and Moses could have said, told y'all this is where we were going. I see it all the time nowadays. Right? A leader, a ruler, a president (laughs) says, look what I have done look what I've accomplished. Look at how great it is. But it takes the dogs like Caleb who say, I'm unworthy, I'm undeserving, but I'm trusting that God's going with us. And when we get the victory, guess what? He's getting the glory. He's getting the glory because I didn't do anything to deserve this. Amen. So Caleb stands up and he begins to go and he begins to say these things. It says this, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Have you ever had to fight your fear? I'm being honest. Have you ever felt like this? There is no way that I can do that. There is no way that I can be there. The land will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. Again, we see the word giants. The descendants of Anak, next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too have you ever been a place in your life where, where you have felt so unsure of yourself? Have you ever been in a place in your life where you felt like you had absolutely no idea what the next step was? What's the next step after the divorce? What's the next step after the, the fallout, the fight? What's the next step after the breakup? and you felt so unsure of yourself, that you felt like a grasshopper amongst giants. I'm telling you right now, that is exactly the season we have been in, is we have felt like, God, is that you? No, it's not you. God, is that you? God, is that you? No. I'm just giving you a realistic picture of what our life has looked like. I'm serious. We've been knocking on doors. God, is that you? Door after door after door has been shut. And it has been one of the greatest fights I've ever fought, one of the greatest giants I've ever fought. Because every single insecurity I have about myself has come out. Every area of weakness in my life has come out. It's been exposed. And I've been in a place right now where I've had to fight the giants inside of my heart, inside of my mind, inside of my life. I'm so grateful for every closed door. I'm so grateful for every missed opportunity because what it's made me do is it's made me look in the mirror at the man I am and I've had to fight the giants inside of me. I think we want God to tell us exactly what the the picture, what the story, how it ends. We want that from God but God doesn't do that. God doesn't give you the end. God doesn't show it to you. God wants to know, are you going to trust me every step of the way? Because, listen, I need you guys to understand, God is more concerned about who you are as a person than any work, any ministry, anything you will ever do in this life. God is more concerned with your heart, your mind, and your life. And so if God has to take you through some disappointing seasons so that you will face the demons, you will face the giants that are living inside of yourself, then that's exactly where God wants to take you. I'm going to close the doors. I'm going to make you feel so outmatched, so outweighed, so unworthy, so that you will start to face every insecurity, every fear, every doubt, every worry. And that's what this season has been is as God has closed the door, every time he's closed the door, he's taken me by the hand. He said, I'm still here. I'm still here. God, why? Why? Because I love you, Nate. You can't carry this bitterness your whole life. This journey has not only been about salvation home, This journey has not been about us launching a church. This journey for me has been about Nate Zuniga getting his life together and getting his heart right before the Lord. It's been humbling, and it's been absolutely a season of my life that I do not regret one bit. I don't regret it at all because I've had to face, why didn't my dad want me? Why didn't my dad love me? Why wasn't he there? I've had to face all those demons. I've had to face the lust that's in my heart. I've had to face the pride that's in here. And that would have never happened if God wouldn't have shut every single door that he shut. And I'm telling you right now, if Salvation Home is a complete flop, I'm just going to say it. If, it never, if whatever happens, I'm not even worried about it. Because God has done something in me that nothing, no situation, no circumstance, no difficulty could ever take from me. From me. So whatever happens with Salvation Home, that's on God. Because he's done something in this heart, in this mind, and in this life that nothing can take away that when those thoughts come your dad doesn't care about you yes he does because my father in heaven sent his son jesus to die on a cross i know who i am you need you need to go and you need to 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 have uh these relationships and you need to feel love because you felt so rejected so unloved listen if you struggle With lust, it's because you have a sense of insecurity in your heart. I'm speaking from complete truth. If you struggle from lust, it's because you don't know who you are. You don't know how loved you are. I don't know what happened in your past. I don't know what's happened in your life. But if you struggle with lust because I have fought that demon and I'm still fighting that giant to this day. And it stems from my childhood and a relationship that was not there with my father. I wouldn't trade it for the world, would not trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade a crowd of 10,000 people in a church for what God's doing inside of here. Do you understand that? I don't need 10,000 people in my church. I don't need 15 campuses. I need God to keep working right here. I need God to keep working right here. Because he's more concerned with who I am as a man, who I am as a husband, who I am as a father, than he's anything concerned about with what I'm going to do with my life. I think we have this fear when we get to heaven. God, I didn't do much. God's going to say, as long as you surrendered your heart and your mind, you did everything that I needed you to do. If you were willing to bow down your life. And listen, it may take you 40 years to bow down your life. Then you're doing exactly what God needed you to do. If you're willing to be a Caleb, a dog that says, God said, let's go. Let's go. Let's fight. Let's conquer. If you guys will come play, I'm going to start wrapping this thing up. This is now Numbers chapter 14. You don't have to go there. I'm going to read it. Verse 6 says, Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of, I'm not going to say it, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, do you hear what he's saying? If the Lord is pleased with us. This is all God wants. Do you hear the heart of Caleb? If God is pleased with us, he wasn't worried about the fight. He wasn't worried about the battle. He wasn't worried about the giants. He was concerned with, is God pleased with me? And this is what I'm asking you to do, is to search your soul and get to a point in your life where all you're concerned with is, is God pleased with me? And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I want you to stand to your feet right now. I don't know what giants you are facing in your life right now. It may be your lust, your insecurity, your pride. I don't know what it is. But I want you to begin to reflect on your heart and reflect on your life right now. Because I want you to know that God loves you so much. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Not so that you could have a church. Not so that you could uh, accomplish this plan. He died and he gave his son so that you could know that your God loves you. And that he wants a relationship with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to love you. He wants to wrap his arms around you. He wants to walk through every season, every step, every missed opportunity, every heartbreak, every difficulty. God says, I just want to go with you. I just want to be a part of your life. If this morning you need to surrender, I just want you to start shooting your hands up towards heaven if you just need to surrender you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit right now saying, I want that part, I want that. I want that insecurity, I want that lust, I want the pride, I want I want all of it. I want every bit, every broken piece, I want that. If that's you, I'll just begin to lift your hands towards heaven right now and say, God, here it is. I don't know how to deal with it. I've tried to fight this thing, I've tried to conquer this thing my whole life and it has whooped me, it has defeated me so many times. I want that part right there, I want that right there. And if that's you, with your hands up, I want you to come to the altar right now. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. I love the altar of the Lord because it's where we can come and be open and transparent and broken. I love the altar of the Lord. It's because we can come and we can bring every weight, every worry, every fear, every doubt. And God says, I already knew it was there. So I want you to just come and join me at the altar right now. I'm here right now. And I'm just surrendering my mind, God. I'm surrendering my heart. Surrendering my life to you, Lord. God, I want to be more concerned with whether you're pleased with me than I'm worried about being pleasing to others God I want my heart to be yours I want my mind and my life to be yours God I don't want to give you 80% I don't want to give you 90% I don't want to give you 95% God I want you to have it all I give it to you this moment I give it to you right now I started in Joshua chapter 14 because guess what happens? The Israelites go, they fight, and they conquer. They get the land. They get the promise, right? Those who are willing to fight at least. Those who are willing to submit, they go, and they receive their promise. But here's what I love about Caleb. Joshua 14 they've already conquered it they've already won and now they're dividing the land they're dividing the land amongst the tribes and you know what Caleb does Caleb says I want that I want that piece of land right there there's giants there I know but I have seen what my God does to giants if you're thinking that when you come into a relationship with God that life is gonna get easier you are absolutely wrong You are going to continue to fight giants. Caleb was 85 years old and he says, I want that land. There's giants there. I know, but I've seen my God defeat giants. I've seen victory. I've seen my God conquer. I want that peace right there. I pray that you would have the heart of Caleb that says I'm always willing to fight the giants. I'm always willing to go where God has told me to go because I'm more concerned whether he's pleased with me than I am with the work or the pursuit or wherever God's calling us to go. At 85 years old, Caleb says, I'll go fight. 85 years old, there's giants, that's okay, let's go fight. So right now, we are going to sing because we are victorious through what Jesus has done, amen? So right now, we're going to take five minutes, that's it, and we're going to sing this song because this is going to be our anthem, not just today, not just this week, for our entire lives, that we're going to fight our giants, we're going to face our demons, because we're only concerned with, is God pleased with us, amen? So let's begin to worship right now.